Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. The TVs are humming. The keyboards are tap, tap, tapping. We're keeping up to speed with the liberal media spin on the Newsbusters podcast. Timothy J. Graham reporting for duty. We've often said the most important thing to track under Democrats is bias by omission. That's the sneaky one. It's what you're not seeing. Sometimes it's a version of that. It's a bias by quickly getting bored and dropping off a story. So we have this horrific mass suffocation in a truck full of illegal immigrants in San Antonio. Death toll 53. And so the thought we had was, hey, is this one of those stories where it'll be a hot story for a couple of days and then it drops off? Uh, Mark Levin had this thought too. Um, I heard this on the radio on my drive home. Uh, it was the night of the uh, of the January 6th hearing. It was Cassidy Hutchinson Day. And Levin led off with the, the mass death in the truck. This will come and this will pass. Nobody will be thinking about it or talking about it in three or four days. The border will remain hellish. People will continue to die. They will continue to transfer people to all parts of the country and release them on their own recognizance. As the numbers add up, as the deaths add up, as the increase in crime in various communities adds up, this is what's going on on the southern border. So it was easy to predict this was a story that the networks would sort of lose interest in because it doesn't really serve the Biden narrative. Uh, so Scott Whitlock went to it. He counted six minutes and 47 seconds on the evening news on the night of June 28, on the first night, and then another six minutes and 42 seconds on the second night, June 29. And that's all good. I mean, I'm you know, I, that's enough, in a sense, for a story like that. Everybody's covering it. Then night three, June 30, only ABC had it and for 28 seconds, and that was it. Mark Levin called it. And it's not maybe not a surprise, but you know that they were still going to be talking about Cassidy Hutchinson's hearsay about Trump's limousine tantrums and reaching for people's necks. Doesn't matter whether that's provable. And so it went. Despite the death toll in the truck, being more than 10 times of the reported death toll of January 6th. And, oh, there's a new hearing on the way, so we must obsess over that. Let's do another interview. Let's do another round of interviews. On the Sunday shows, you know, they went on, all these January 6th committee members went on. Uh, CBS had on uh, Mayorkas of the Homeland Security Department, and there was one lame question uh, from Margaret Brennan about the truck. But, you know, they all go out and talk about January 6th because that is the story. 
Trump being an outrage is always the story. So if we're discussing Trump and immigration, let's go back to at this point in 2017 and 2018. Rich Noise reported from January 20, 2017 through June 30, 2018, the ABC, CBS, and NBC evening news programs spent a combined 995 minutes discussing various immigration topics, or roughly one-sixth of all coverage of the Trump administration. Noise noted that since Inauguration Day, only the Russia collusion investigation received more airtime, 1,680 minutes. And here's what's funny. So we counted... uh, about 14 minutes of coverage of the mass death in the truck. Rich Noyes noted that they gave 32 minutes on the evening news to Trump reportedly calling third world countries assholes. So more than twice as much coverage to assholes than they gave to this mass death in a semi trailer. And they barely blamed Biden just a few seconds because Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, went after Biden. So that got a little bit of attention. But as usual, reviewing Biden and how he's doing in immigration is almost non-existent. Now maybe our top story, something fun to talk about. Over the weekend, Mrs. Graham was on her cell phone reading Twitter and her Twitter accounts that she follows there's a lot of celebrities on there and she has a lot of covid doctors on there so i think she's going to get a lot of liberalism on there sometimes she'll read something notable to me this was certainly one do you know of the left-wing radio host named tom hartman tom hartman used to be somebody that we uh, spent more time mocking and exposing back in the bush years we we made more of an effort in the Bush-Cheney years to uh, study how the the liberal talk radio hosts were going after Bush and Cheney because they founded the Air America Network in 2004. There was this whole trend, and we were trying to be on top of it. Uh, Tom Hartman had a show on Russia TV, Russia Today, RT, from 2010 to uh, the fall of 2017. I think it it got to be... Well, it's radio. It's Trump Russia TV, so he didn't want to be there anymore. But Mrs. Graham started reading to me a Tom Hartman Twitter thread, imagining what might happen in November of 2024. He imagines a presidential race between Biden and DeSantis, and when it's over and been tabulated. Biden won 84,355, 740 votes to DeSantis getting 77,306, 412 votes. Biden clearly carrying the popular vote. How very specific his imagination is. Hartman continues, but the popular vote isn't enough. George W. Bush lost to Al Gore by a half million votes. And Donald Trump lost to Hillary Clinton by three million votes and both ended up in the White House. What matters is the Electoral College vote, and in Hartman's fantasy, that looks good for Biden, too. CNN's reporting, the outcome's a virtual clone of 2020. Biden carries the same states he did in 2020, and DeSantis gets all the Trump states. So Biden's headed to the White House for another four years. This is very imaginative. 
First, it imagines that Biden's actually going to make it to 2024 without somehow being a 25th amendment out or something. I mean, let's face it. The Democrats aren't very happy with Biden right now. CNN's reporting, Deborah Messing of Will and Grace is upset. Why do we even vote for you? And now you want us to go sermonize for you on TikTok? Are you crazy? But uh, yes, and then there's the whole idea of whether the Democrats, if he makes it to 2024, whether I actually get nominated again. I think that there, we will see what happens, but it's possible that somebody pulls a Ted Kennedy on him, and even if he even if he wins renomination, he might have a really difficult set of primaries. Uh, so anyway, Hartman's imagining that 2024 is just almost an exact rerun of 2020, except it's Ron DeSantis instead of Trump. So then he imagines a scenario where Biden won the popular vote in Georgia, but their legislature decided it can overrule the popular vote and just awarded the state's 16 electoral votes to DeSantis. An hour later, we hear from five other states with Republican-controlled legislatures where Biden won the majority of the vote, just like in 2020. North Carolina, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Arizona, each as followed Georgia's leads and their state legislators awarded the Electoral College votes to DeSantis. Thus, a total of 88 Electoral College votes from those six states moved from Biden to DeSantis. So DeSantis is declared the winner. Okay, so I, I mean, all of this is highly implausible in, in multiple ways. But here's where it gets a little weird. <laughs> Wolf Blitzer announces DeSantis has won the election. Well, no. Do you think CNN would go along with this scenario instead of CNN screaming? Everybody would be just screaming at CNN. Wolf Blitzer announces DeSantis won. Millions of people pour into the streets to protest. All right. And then... They're met with a hail of bullets as Republican-affiliated militias have been rehearsing for this exact moment. Really? <laughs> Just as happened when Pinochet's militias shot into crowds as he took over Chile, when Mussolini's volunteer militia, the Black Shirts, killed civilians as he took over Italy, and Hitler's brown shirts did in Germany, their allies among the police and army refused to intervene. These tweets are something. And then it goes, After a few thousand people lay dead in the streets of two dozen cities, the police begin to round up the surviving instigators who are charged with seditious conspiracy for resisting the Republican legislatures of their states. After he's sworn in on January 20th, President DeSantis points to the ongoing demonstration, declares a permanent state of emergency, and suspends future elections just as Trump had repeatedly told the world he planned for 2020. Oh, yes, thousands of people shot dead in the streets by Republican militias. And then he tweets, sound far-fetched? Why, yes, Tom, it does. Cue music. Yes, to me, it sounds like the Twilight Zone. Apologies to Scott Whitlock. He loves the Twilight Zone. I made this joke. He said... The Twilight Zone was way better than this. 
Yes, uh, Hartman says six Republicans on the Supreme Court just announced that one of the first cases they'll decide next year could include whether that very scenario is constitutional or not, and it almost certainly is. I don't know if a a massive hail of death from Republican militias is something you'd call constitutional. My goodness. Well, this is the newest panic in the liberal media, folks. It's called the independent state legislature theory. They are all over this at the New York Times, at the Washington Post, at NPR. So that's something that you're going to have to get used to. The whole idea that state legislatures are going to somehow overrule the popular vote for the Republicans. Um, Look, there were some controversies over this, you know, say in 2020 in Pennsylvania, where the state Supreme Court decided to change all the rules with a few days to go in late October of 2020. And so the question there was, who's, who's, what, who's the Constitution say is in charge of the electoral rules, the state Supreme Court or the state legislature? This is the sort of thing that the courts will decide. But of course, now that the court is seen as a six to three conservative, undemocratic tyranny, by the liberal media, this is where their panic is going. Now, Tom Hartman does know how to panic. Uh, I, (laughs) I went back into the archives. Do you know, Tom Hartman thought Donald Trump should be impeached for a tweet. A tweet. Yes, our Jack Coleman reported this for Newsbusters. December 12, 2017. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York made what she thought was the logical suggestion that if she had forced Democratic politicians like Al Franken and John Conyers to resign over credible accusations of sexual misconduct, then naturally Donald Trump should resign too. In response, President Trump quite typically tweeted, Lightweight Senator Kirsten Gillibrand a total flunky for Chuck Schumer and someone who would come to my office begging, quote unquote, for campaign contributions not so long ago and would do anything for them, is now in the ring fighting against Trump. Very disloyal to Bill and Crooked, used, used in capital letters. So, yes, Kirsten Gillibrand also thought maybe it was time that we should make sure the Clintons don't run for anything again. Uh, So that's why he was saying very disloyal to Bill. Well, of course, everybody freaked out because Trump had tweeted that the senator from New York was begging for contributions and would do anything for them, which they all, you know, thought sounded sexual. So, of course, uh, this is brought up on the Tom Hartman radio show. And Hartman says, you know, is this an impeachable offense? The impeachment mechanism in the Constitution is not legal. It's political. It's very, very vague. It was intentionally made very, very vague. In fact, in the Federalist Papers, Alexander Hamilton comes right out and says what's impeachable is whatever the politicians decide is impeachable. And then he said, this is clearly one of them. I think this tweet is arguably impeachable. It's just absolutely horrifying. (laughs) So, wow. This is uh, Tom Hartman can freak out both ways, depending on what the situation is. But the Republicans are always what he's panicking over. 
So this is a wild-eyed conspiracy theory. You know that he can tweet and imagine that there's Republican mass murder on Twitter. Nobody gets in there. There's no fact checkers, right? They'll fact check satire. The fact checkers will fact check satire, but not wild predictions of Republican murder. Well, that's just a, that, you know, this is, I, I asked people, this isn't fan fiction. Is this hate fiction? Uh, you know, I know it sort of defies fact checking, but it's the sort of thing where it's like, you know, they're all running around saying we need to curb conspiracy theories, COVID conspiracy theories, election denial conspiracy theories, where this is an election conspiracy theory. Nobody's going to talk about shutting this down. Nobody's going to talk about fact checking it. But conspiracy theories are something that the right wing does, the left wing does. And let's face it, conspiracy theories are sort of a basis for a lot of investigative journalism. You know, we all will use the word conspiracy theory as a way of suggesting somebody is coming unglued. Well, the fact of the matter is Russian collusion was a conspiracy theory and they spent, you know, thousands of hours of news time investigating a conspiracy theory. So if if your whole notion is social media needs to shut down conspiracy theories, well, we're, we know they'll never do it when it comes to what they call authoritative news sources. When authoritative news sources love a conspiracy theory, then it's somehow no longer a conspiracy theory. Uh, my latest column, distributed around America by Creator Syndicate, is about conspiracy theories about 2024 and 2022. Yes, Right-wing radio hosts are suggesting the only way Democrats can win the midterms is by cheating. Now, that sounds correct as a prediction, because let's face it, the polls look terrible for Democrats. Biden's approval rating is terrible. It's just that the gap is probably too large to cheat across. You're not really going to be able to maintain your majority if you're, if you're losing seats by 12 points. You can't. You know, it's got to be tight. It's got to be tick tight, as Dan Rather says, for you to actually try to cheat your way in. Well, anyway, the New York Times on the front page talked about a hiring a media monitoring service called Critical Mention, and they went looking for the words, Democrats cheat. This is when you know your newspaper is run by a pile of Democrats. The story said mentions of Democrats cheating and similar ideas were raised more than 5,000 times on syndicated radio shows and local broadcasts this year, according to an analysis of data from Critical Mention, a media monitoring service. Mucho dinero they were spending. Similar ideas were mentioned a few hundred times on television shows and podcasts tracked by Critical Mention during the same period. So they're going out and raising money or spending money to suggest it's illegitimate for conservative radio hosts to mention the possibility that Democrats might cheat. Now, in this story, the reporter does mention, well, the liberals do this too. They did this with Stacey Abrams in 2018. They put out a memo uh, saying that the, don't let the Republicans cheat their way into the governor's mansion. Uh, but they claim, the New York Times did, this happened to a much lesser extent. Oh, really? Did you hire the media monitoring service to count how many times? No, they're not going to do that. 
They're not going to spend their precious dollars investigating whether the liberals are overdoing something or underdoing something. We're the New York Times. We don't monitor Democrats. We don't do investigative pieces about Democratic podcasts and liberal talk radio. We're not going to study NPR for conspiracy theories. Yeah, speaking of NPR, it was brought to all of our attention that NPR on the 4th of July decided it was going to stop its tradition since 1988 of having their personalities read the Declaration of Independence on the radio. I think they should be forced to read a Declaration of Dependence on taxpayer money where they put out all their liberal propaganda and say, thank you. We like taking your conservative tax money and destroying you with it. <laughs> Can we make them read that memo? I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think we'll get old Steve Inskeep on that. Now, you know, the 11-minute segment they had where they, they got two liberal Harvard historians as experts and they explored this idea that Jefferson had read, um, written all men are created equal, and how that phrase echoed through the centuries and how the civil rights movement used it, the women's rights movement used it, the gay rights movement used it, blah, 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 blah. That's fine. I mean, that's okay as far as it goes. It's quite obvious as the nose on anyone's face that we didn't live up to all men are created equal in 1776. And probably in not in 1966, but we're working on it. Now, there, there was a couple of problems with this segment. One of them was when they got to the gay rights part, Steve Inskeep uh, ran a clip of Sean Penn from the Harvey Milk movie. Somehow they don't have video of Harvey Milk yelling about the Declaration of Independence. Uh, but then Steve Inskeep referred to Harvey Milk as the mayor of San Francisco, which he never was. He was a supervisor there when he was shot and killed by a wacko. Uh, but they got that wrong. And then there was this weird segment about how the Republicans wanted unequal power in elections, and then that was compared to authoritarianism. And many of our debates on this July 4th turn on what equality means. What voting rules really give equal access to the ballot? Do abortion laws give a woman equal control over her body? At what point is a fetus entitled to equal rights? For some people, equality is out of style. Some political progressives prefer the term equity. Some Republicans in Texas and Colorado have called for unequal voting power, giving more weight to conservative voters. The global move toward authoritarian rule opposes equality, asserting that some people are more equal than others. So since Steve Inskeep was responding to, uh, to listeners on, on his Twitter account, I decided I would tweet him and say, Oh, by the way, Steve, I won't ask about your foot massages of Barack Obama over the years because you won't answer that question. But I asked him about, hey, what, what does this mean? This whole question, the Republicans wanted unequal power in elections. Does this have something to do with voter ID? And then I was like, uh, by the way, you made a boo-boo. You had a historical error in there where you somehow promoted Harvey Milk to mayor of San Francisco. I did not get a reply from Steve Inskeep. 
I guess I wouldn't, shouldn't be surprised about that. But I attempt it. We attempt doing some journalism. I would like a point of clarification, Indiana Inscape. Uh, you know, I get the same feeling about PBS around the 4th of July. You know, they run around promoting themselves as red, white, and blue. They put on this Capital 4th concert every year. Some people were upset. I guess it was Curtis Houck's family was upset. John Stamos didn't uh, be the MC this year. I don't have a habit of watching this concert on July 4 because, you know, I'm just sort of constitutionally upset that PBS is parading itself around as the patriotism channel. You know, they'll do this and then they'll build up all this goodwill. They'll go out and do a bunch of commercials on commercial media about come to PBS to watch the 4th of July concert. And then on, you know, the rest of July and the rest of the year, they'll go back to news and documentaries suggesting America is like an international human rights abuser and it's systemically racist at home. This is just me and, and this group. We are especially active in investigating the content of public broadcasting. So I have to say, if you have any tips about bias or scandalous social media posts from PBS or NPR, absolutely let us know. We love tips at Newsbusters. You can just click on the Contact Us link at the bottom of the page at newsbusters.org. And for all your bias-busting needs, of course, you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.